Welcome to this episode of Inside Publishing, the series where we interview industry experts on everything publishing. Welcome to SYP North's 2024 Publishing Ins and Outs. My name is Laura and today I'll be chatting with Eleanor, my fellow digital content officer, and we'll be talking about a range of topics from hybrid working, unpaid internships and job roles within the industry. So I've seen a trend on um, definitely TikTok uh, and just social media in general, really. And the trend is kind of ins and outs for for 2024. So stuff they want to keep or do more of and stuff they just want to get rid of or throw away. So I thought for this podcast episode, we could do a kind of publishing themed ins and outs because I do feel like when we have the events and things like that, like when we have kind of guest speakers, they all kind of say similar things a lot of the time of I wish this would change about the publishing industry or I like mm-hmm. this this part or whatever so the first one I came up with was remote slash hybrid working as an in mm-hmm. for 2024 to be completely honest I, I only kind of am at the sort of passively job hunting stage um with the fact that I'm still going to be doing my MA till the end of July and that's full time so like I don't think I'll be properly looking till kind of May June time but I'd still follow all the accounts and look at all the jobs boards I would struggle to find a job now that wasn't at least somewhat hybrid which is a really good sign um I do think you do you sometimes get the occasional like like fully in London (laughs) job that you can't seem to get fully rid of those but I feel like one of the best things about not even just the publishing industry but just since covid working in general we're getting to the point where at least a couple of days at home how that might benefit different people working i'm from like a really small town so if i say my nearest like big city where there might be a publishing house is probably leeds mm-hmm. and that's over an hour or maybe an hour's journey so the cost of that on the train or, or you know, even just in petrol or just the effort of commuting, if there was a hybrid option, I just can't imagine myself not going for it, even if you just looked at it from like a financial perspective, especially when you can get those positions that are kind of fully remote or one day a week in the office. That that seems to me like the the quickest way that we can kind of move towards decentralizing publishing in London, because even if you were like somewhat near London or even if you were kind of far if you just kind of bit the bullet and got the train one day a week that's a lot more feasible for a lot of people and you do hear about that even outside of publishing just people that live in Newcastle or Glasgow or whatever even getting getting the train to London just one day a week (laughs) and maybe it's not something that I would prefer to do thinking about it but I can understand how that would be a really good option for a lot of people. In my last job, it was hybrid, which I really liked. And I often found, I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion, but I often found I was actually more productive at home than I was in the office. It's mm. so like in the office, I'd find myself getting distracted all the time. Even if that's talking to colleagues, like it's still sometimes would take up a lot of my day just doing something else. Whereas at home, I kind of would just put my headphones on and just really focus. I just think productivity at home was so much easier, but that might be a personal thing. I don't know if everybody like would agree yeah. with that. I definitely think the idea of like putting your headphones on, it just allows people to work in a way that works 
work in a way that works best for them. I feel like I've used yeah, the word definitely. working a lot, a lot in the sentence. But yeah, it's, you know, neurodiverse people in the workplace. And just, you know, as a kind of not a neurodiverse person, but just someone that I like quiet, I like my own space. Mm-hmm. I would just way rather like, as I say, sit in that kind of environment. Because I think sometimes as well, you can associate workplaces or kind of libraries or kind of working areas as like, this is my space to be productive but sometimes you get there and you've left your lunch at home or you know yeah. like you're wearing like the wrong shoes or you got caught in the mm-hmm. rain and you're just like this is just the wrong environment so I just think sometimes even when you're when you've got the absolute like best headspace and you're like desperate to get something done it's just not always going to work so that kind of allows I don't know a bit more flexibility in that way we'll do an out now I think just to mix things up a bit unpaid internships is my sort of out for 2024 I spoke not to plug another SYP podcast but I spoke about this like briefly with Megan when uh, Megan Whitlock when I did a podcast with her and we both kind of agreed it's really difficult because especially a lot of like indie presses they just don't have the finances or or the you know the resources to staff more than a handful of people so the only way they can you know offer these opportunities is to offer them as unpaid opportunities but and, and you know, I am 100% sympathetic to indie publishers. And we did kind of talk about if you're doing it as part of like an MA or an undergrad, as part of some kind of course where you can get something not financial, but that would be beneficial to you in exchange. So at horse credits or whatever that would be, then that's fine. Or that's kind of accepted and good. And, I you know, as someone doing an MA, I'll happily take an unpaid internship if it's something that I don't have to travel for and all these things in within that kind of context but I do think it, there's still issues with that anyway because only some people can afford to do an MA or a under so you're kind of putting a different kind of price barrier there's like a, a cost of entry now rather than kind of how much you'll be paid or whether you like live near where you'll be working so I don't know I just feel really mixed about it I don't know what your views are yeah, I think I agree with what you've said. Like, obviously, you have to be sympathetic to smaller presses that maybe want to give people some experience for their CV, but then not having the financial ability to do it. I feel like if I was to see like an unpaid internship that was in London, it's just impossible. Like, it, like I yeah. definitely could not apply for that. And I think most people even living in London probably couldn't apply for that. And I mean, I've, I've noticed on one of your bullet points as well, you'd said something about like how it's they ask for really detailed application yeah like applications to these things and like especially if it's unpaid you're putting in all this work to then just maybe get a generic email back it's like quite disheartening as well yeah I definitely think unpaid internships would be an out of the 2024 (laughs) definitely I do see some of them kind of changing up a bit I know the I'm not sure actually if the penguin internship like the kind of summer one asks for a cv and cover letter but the, I know that they definitely do like a que- like they ask a series of questions that they want kind of written answers for. And I think that's more what they at least more what they kind of wait uh, the decision on. And I do see some internships where they're just kind of asking for a display of kind of passion for the role. So at least it's not as kind of rigorous, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just so much work. And I think it's so easy to say, OK, but if you've got your kind of, I don't know, CV or cover letter template, you can just do some tweaks. But that is going to if I'm going to sit down and like make sure the cover letter is good and I'm happy with it, it's going to take me a few hours, like mm-hmm. at the absolute like lowest. And, and you know, if I want someone to proofread it or whatever it is, like it's just a lot of time and effort for then, as you say, 
you might not get the role you might not get a reply yeah. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. just a lot yeah. the next in for 2024 I kind of picked up from my publishing MA at UCLan just to give it a, a shout out <laughs> but they they always say when you kind of join the course that everyone walks in wanting to do editorial and mm. I don't know about your own experience of like pursuing publishing or whatever whether you kind of are you just desperate to do editorial and then by the end of the the course or you know by the end of a few job applications or whatever you're like I couldn't think of anything anything worse <laughs> or I you know I'm better suited elsewhere so my in for 2024 is just to be open-minded about other areas of publishing which hopefully is like a good one for everyone but yeah I'm really interested now I think in sales or rights or marketing which are areas that I hadn't really considered prior to the course and a lot of that is pretty much due to the fact that I only really I barely knew about publishing to begin with until like mm-hmm. someone told me or that I kind of figured it out for myself and then even beyond that like I figured out what publishing was and how I could get involved and the first thing you kind of see is editorial so you just get in your head like oh that's how that's my in kind of thing but there's so many other other ways in and other things to do oh definitely I feel like editorial is always that one like I thought about it again actually just like over uh, Christmas like watching the holiday like obviously Jude Law he works in editorial and like I just feel like all these films they all whenever there's a British person in publishing it they're always in editorial so it's like even in just like mainstream media it's always like the one thing about publishing that people seem to know about but yeah definitely I totally agree I feel like since even just like volunteering with like the SYP there's been so many different parts of publishing that I would have never thought about specifically like um production like the actual physical making of the book sending it to the press I remember going to an event and they were telling us like how like they had this massive folder full of colors for like book covers and how they choose the specific color they want for like a ribbon in a hardback to like mark the place and all this there's like so many things that goes into book publishing that you wouldn't think about normally and it's just yeah like you say just trying to find the resources to learn more about it even like even if you're not doing a master's like just go online and like have a look maybe at if a publisher has a meet the team page on their website or something you might find a role that you've not thought about before there's just so many things I think as well like um audiobooks like yeah they have a separate part for audiobooks which then have five or six jobs in so there's just like so many places you could go that's not what you might have thought you wanted to be to be in with so yeah yeah definitely I think as well sometimes when you hear I don't know sales or um rights and kind of legal there's a kind of mm-hmm. there might be an implicit assumption that you're like I need a law background or I need a sales background or I need a marketing degree to do marketing and it's really not like that in publishing all the entry-level roles are just that they're entry level um and just in the same way that you don't necessarily need like an English degree to do editorial you don't need a marketing degree to do marketing you just need like a passion and Mm -hmm. you know perhaps some some examples of like work or examples of transferable skills so I think a lot of the time the reason that nobody or I got told the other day that like sales is a lot less competitive I don't know how true that is but I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that people perceive themselves as underqualified for it or perhaps a bit kind of unfamiliar or ambiguous of like how I don't know perhaps number heavy or whatever it might be it's really not kind of you you'll learn a lot of it on the job anyway as you would in any any entry-level role so I do think some of it I would never advise going for something because it's not because it's less competitive because if, if you really want to do editorial and that's where you see yourself then don't be put off 
by the fact that everyone wants to do editorial. But like on the other hand, if you're not quite sure, I would really have a look at where everyone else isn't looking because it's just going to, you know, open up your kind of view of the publishing industry and, and stuff like that. Should we do another out now? <laughs> we'll just keep, mm-hmm. keep to the swapping around. So I must have kind of started with a rant by accident because I, I've started <laughs> with the unpaid internships and then the next thing I've got written down is um, entry-level jobs with impossible requirements. <laughs> so that's my next out, 2024. The good thing mm-hmm. is I, I, I saw a talk recently with some people from Penguin, Penguin Random House, So and they were very much like, we're aware that it used to be a situation where you know, you'd need all these internships, you'd need all this experience or whatever, but they're really trying to like change it now to to kind of avoid the kind of north-south divide, to avoid the kind of class issues and all this in publishing. It They really are moving towards entry-level jobs equals entry-level. So that is one thing that I like can't hammer home enough on this podcast um, is that that is like now the case. But the amount of times, it's not even publishing. I, I think publishing gets a bad kind of rap because it's already kind of known as competitive. But I've seen journalism jobs that are similar. I've seen kind of non-writing related jobs where they'll say two, two to three years experience is preferred, mm-hmm. which the minute you're saying something's preferred, even if you're not outright saying it's a requirement, the people that, that do have that are then going to be like top of the pile. So I don't understand why they kind of write that in as a kind of optional because the minute it's optional then then it's kind of what they're looking for in in my eyes at least um but yeah two to three years experience a lot of the time sometimes two to three years paid experience because if if you think in our case you know I've been uh volunteering with the SYP for just under a year now so okay could I call that a year experience or or do you mean like you want an employer to have paid me to do whatever it is I just I just hate it the the kind of next thing I kind of put down was similar to what I said before you would honestly be better off being paid for your work I think whenever you're being paid for your work that that kind of says something in itself I think that there is value in like that you've worked for an employer that you've met deadlines like in a professional setting so I just think if you can't find a job that's kind of entry level that is actually entry level then don't kind of sweat about doing three years of volunteering like in the position I'm in I am part-time working or kind of semi-part-time working I'm doing my MA and I'm doing a bit of volunteering on the side that's a lot of that's a very different position to be in because um, it's kind of like topping up what I've already got or like I'm doing it as an extra the idea that you would I don't know take a year out like leave a job that you're in and think I really need to focus on getting my sort of pub- publishing volunteering <laughs> section of my <laughs> CV up for kind of no money and no real gain it just it just like boggles me and I don't know how many people kind of actually do that but I do worry that again with how competitive things are getting that or things are perceived as I don't think they nest I think if anything things are getting better but yeah I just think get a job in an adjacent field get paid for it and again like take those transferable skills out and uh, do a bit of volunteering on the side if you can and keep looking for those entry-level jobs that are actually kind of what it says on the tin because they will they will come and they will be there when you kind of look hard enough but yeah I don't know what your experience was like going into work or um well so that's so I had an internship last year which thankfully was paid but it wasn't in like a publishing 
house or anything it was like a company that like helps people with like reading and writing development and then since then I've gone on to work doing an admin role like at a university because I felt like well, a bit like what you were saying getting some experience in admin in it's not like adjacent to publishing but I feel like it shows that you can work for like a big institution kind of thing definitely a lot of the things like um just transferable skills like organization and timekeeping like teamwork like it doesn't have to be specifically publishing there's so many jobs you can get that give you these skills that publishing houses will be looking for but yet to be fair you might move into a job and think oh I'll do this for my CV to boost my CV and then you might find a job you love do you know what I mean like in the hunt to get into publishing you might find something similar that's not actually where you thought you'd end up do you know what I mean so I think it's definitely worth just looking for things you hadn't thought of before to get a bit more experience absolutely and I just think think so some things are so like seasonal you know there's a lot mm-hmm. of kind of grad schemes and internships in the summer or in kind of September when like unis are starting back up or whatever so if you can't if you you know if you're kind of experiencing a bit of a sort of job hunting dry spell then don't let that kind of get you down look look for something else and kind of mm-hmm. come back to it I think there's a bit of an expectation that if you don't if the once you finish your MA or finish uni or I don't know go f- kind of commit to looking for a job in publishing if you don't then immediately find one there's this kind of like feeling of like dread that like okay I didn't make it then I didn't I guess I guess I didn't get into publishing but it's it's not always like that linear and I would argue that most people don't just go from like I want a job in publishing oh here's one <laughs> like yeah exactly like, yeah. I don't know why it would work like that for most people so find what you can and find what what is kind of feasible for you and I was going to swap back to an in, but the next one again kind of links on. So another out for 2024 is burning yourself out while building up your CV. I am so guilty of this. So I say this as someone that's like, I don't know, they're shaking their head while they're saying it. But <laughs> I am so guilty of if I see, I don't know, on Instagram or social media or whatever, someone looking for a voluntary position, I'll sign up for any and all of it <laughs> without any kind of like, consideration of well I'm already doing like this this and like I never picture it in the context of what my sort of working week looks like and it's just so pointless I think when you're speaking like in an interview or when you're writing something on your cover letter it comes across if you're passionate about what you're doing if you're excited about what you're doing if you think you're gaining kind of valuable skills there have even been a couple of times where I've kind of volunteered for things or I've had to give a a CV or a cover letter for something and it's they've come up with well you're doing this 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 and this are you gonna have time to do this as Mm. well and I'm like oh uh, (laughs) I didn't really (laughs) think that far ahead (laughs) like most of the time it has been fine if it's something that if it's something that I really want to do I'll make time for it but I do think sometimes there is this kind of guilt of just having a bit of free time or or not being absolutely like burnt out or like filled to the brim with work Um, and it doesn't even need to be that way so I don't know I don't know if you're as guilty as I am of this or whether you've got a different angle to come at it from. I mean I don't sign up like for too many things to be honest I think like what you were saying kind of if you see like an opportunity that you think oh like I'm passionate about this or like really interested in this like you say it definitely shows so like signing up for I don't know a lot of book festivals ask for volunteers yeah sign up for that if you are interested in and like passionate about speaking to people and that kind of thing but I don't know I think it's also worth maybe asking in your current role whatever it is you're doing if you can just take on a couple more jobs 
in that rather than looking for something else external, Yeah, if that's that makes a really sense. good idea. I know in my role, I kind of like had said, I'm interested in marketing and things. Is there anything I can do for like, like set up a newsletter that just gets sent around our team? Like, because our team's quite big. So it was kind of like to get people involved with each other if they don't see each other every day, that kind of thing. Like, just think of something within the role you're currently doing that you could add to your CV that's a bit different without taking too much time out of your your own time. Yeah. Yeah. prevent yourself getting burnt out really Okay, so I think we'll try and make things a bit more positive and go back <laughs> go back to an in now. But yeah, I've got making sure an employer is the right fit for you. So I kind of came across this idea. I'm in a lot of publishing hopefuls Facebook pages and things like that. And I feel like the most common question that gets gets asked in those or one of is when you're in an interview and at the end if they ask you have you got any questions and a lot of people are just kind of panic that they don't have a question prepared or that they, that might affect their application if they if they don't have a question prepared so maybe that's maybe that's one an in or an out in itself but I do feel like that's a really good opportunity to ask about company culture Uh, you know to ask things like is that what's progression kind of look like in this position or how long did the last person kind of stay in the role maybe don't word it <laughs> exactly like that if you don't want to and you can always ask kind of more sort of gentler questions if you don't want to kind of be so hard hitting with it you could ask something like what's the opportunities for hybrid working is something that's already come up so far but yeah I think rather than worrying like what are they going to think of me when I ask this question think of it as a really good opportunity to find out what what the workplace is like because I think a lot of the focus is on I'm going to put out 60 applications and I'm going to you know fingers crossed hopefully I get one of them but you don't really want a job if that's not going to if that's not going to work for you, if you're looking for something that you might be able to work hybrid a couple of days a week, if you're looking for something that's more than just a fixed term position that, you know, hopefully you can stay in for a bit longer, then you don't need to take that job just because it's a publishing job. I think sometimes a lot of kind of less ethical or less good employers get away with a lot more because they're they're employing within again a competitive field so making sure that as much as like you're the right fit for the role from the company's perspective that the company's the right fit for you is something to watch out for in 2024 Yeah, I definitely agree with that as well. Like, obviously, like you're saying, it's such a competitive industry, so it's hard not to feel like, oh, if I don't get hired, like if I mess it up, they'll just hire someone else. But it's such an important thing to, you might love your job, but not really get on with the people or not like the environment. And it really makes a difference. So it's like the role might be perfect, but if the people aren't for you, you just won't enjoy it as much as you should be. Whereas if you love the people, but you don't necessarily... love the role sometimes that can be a better way around if that makes sense yeah just you just won't dread going into work like I feel like that would be the worst thing is going having a dread going to work because of like the culture of the place And again, if you if you're commuting for hours and all these things, you like you just double don't want to go in if it's like if it's strenuous on you kind of mental or physical or whatever. And yeah, it's just about kind of thinking of yourself as a kind of product in a weird way or kind of marketing yourself as like, I've got these skills and this is what I'm offering the employer rather than thinking like, please take me. I'm begging. Like, it's just not Oh, kind definitely, of a good yeah. look. But that's the thing, like, I think you kind of said it before, like, you're trying to sell yourself to them, but they really need to sell themselves to you as well. Exactly. Especially if you want to go into marketing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, always a good thing to kind of think about. 
So we'll do the the last out that I've got on the list. We'll finish so that we can finish on a positive, basically. <laughs> um, the one I've got is, again, I think we can tell from this list that some of these are all ones that I'm kind of guilty of. But viewing other sort of publishing hopefuls or, I don't know, people around your age that are in, interested in similar jobs or similar fields as a competitor, I think I am... The example case of what my lecturer calls competitive itis, can't even <laughs> say it, I or comparisonitis, sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying the wrong one. Um, but yeah, I am the kind of worst victim of comparisonitis because if I get a good grade on a, I don't know, coursework or whatever, I'm constantly thinking in the back of my head, what did that other person get though? Or like, is that, you know, is that going to be in the top? does that mean I'm kind of near the top of the class or does that mean I'm kind of near the middle or near the bottom I can't ever just even if I'm really happy with with something I'm really happy with this work I've just handed in I'm constantly thinking of it in the context of what other people are doing if I'm if I'm happy as I said before kind of doing some volunteering doing some work feeling like my CV's pretty kind of strong and I'm in a good position the minute I see on LinkedIn someone that's got like two months extra experience than I have or something so like negligible otherwise I'm like suddenly going well they're gonna get the job so I shouldn't even I shouldn't even I shouldn't even write a cover letter if I Mm. if this person's going to apply like I'm so quick to jump the gun on that kind of thing and again I do think it's this kind of toxic rhetoric of like publishing's really competitive um you're gonna struggle to get into it you might not get into it straight away which I mean these are all kind of good things to bear in mind but it can be really quick to think okay well there's only one job and particularly if you're looking for a job in the north how often do those come up um Mm -hmm. and suddenly it's like okay so you know in my uni class or whatever you want to call it there's about sort of 10 or 12 of us so suddenly I'm thinking okay even if I'm just competing with these 10 people how do I kind of sit in that kind of group or even at undergrad you know I was doing kind of um student journalism and I was constantly thinking oh um have they written more articles than me have I written more articles than them it's it's just a really awful mindset to be in it I I do kind of understand the sentiment of like let these other sort of talented people push you to be better but I do think there does come like a tipping point where you're just kind of doing sort of self-harm like you need to just like let let things be whatever position you're going to be in when you kind of come to write your job applications or whatever it is move on to the next thing in life there's no telling kind of which particular people are going to be doing applying for that job applying for that company applying for that role and even if even if all your worst nightmares were true and all this all the people that you least want to compete with doing the same thing as you that doesn't mean that that things are going to go how you might think they will like people can still even if I was the person with the most experience in the room to kind of turn it on its head someone else might just present better in the interview someone else might be a better fit for the role for another reason they might kind of gel well with the employer so it's not even as simple as how people look on paper I know that's some of it because especially when CVs are getting put through machines and they're kind of pulling out particular words and terms and whatever but I just don't think things are ever that simple for one and I think all the time about how I'm going to look back when I've finished my kind of education journey, if you like, when I finish my master's, when I finish my undergrad, I'm going to look back and think that was like one of the best times in my life. I was working mm-hmm. with people, small group or even bigger group, whatever, of people that are like-minded. They wanted to go in the same field and, you know, volunteering with all these people that, again, want the best for each other and are trying to help other people get into the industry. And I'm going to really ruin it for myself if I'm constantly 
thinking what else can I do or how how is this person better than me I, I can't give too much advice on how to kind of get out of that mindset other than to say things like if you think if you kind of take more of a zoomed out view of things and think about how you're going to feel in five years that kind of five months five years 50 years time kind of thing it's just not even gonna these kind of uh, insecurities or whatever are just not even going to cross your mind so try not to let them kind of dictate your life now um, mm -hmm. but yeah I don't know if that's something that you experience or if it's if it's just me yeah yeah like um, I remember I'd applied for a marketing role at a press up here I didn't get it but in the email it said like oh, your application was really strong your interview was really strong but there was somebody else that we just couldn't say no to like I remember that line specifically and then thinking to myself like but why couldn't they say like no, like why couldn't they say yes to me like why couldn't I be the person they couldn't say no to like what did they have that I didn't um and like I'd worked so hard on the application that like I just felt so like squished by it do you know what I mean like yeah. it was such an awful feeling but like the next day I'd like emailed them back and like said like oh thanks for your time and for the interview and stuff but then asked for feedback not obviously I didn't say what did they have that I didn't but I said like <laughs> if you have the capacity to like have a chat with us could we like talk about what kind of things I could improve on for like another job and a lot of places are happy to do that so, like they did we had like a zoom call and like they spoke to us about it and just told us a couple of things that like where I'd like undersold myself because half of the time you've got the experience it's just in an interview you kind of don't I think a lot of people are too humble and then like they don't want to sound like really braggy in interviews and stuff so like they were saying you have all this stuff you just need to sell it better so then you kind of come out of that experience thinking oh so that person didn't have more than what I have or like they're not necessarily better than us it's just kind of learning how to well sell yourself like what we were saying before and yeah. I think it, yeah it's so easy to be like I have this they have that when really everything can kind of be shaped in a different way if you if you do it properly I don't know if that makes sense yeah definitely because you again if if the if it is the case and I have seen it happen plenty of times where these entry-level jobs are entry-level and someone mm -hmm. can walk in with just kind of their undergraduate degree and kind of an interest in the field and people can go oh, amazing we want you mm -hmm. versus someone that's got all this like whatever all this stuff on their cv if if that that first person can still be picked over them time and time again mm -hmm. then a lot of the time it's nothing to do with you or what you've done it's more to do with what they were particularly looking for or mm -hmm. you know how you've come across in that in that interview um mm -hmm. again and that doesn't always like you say it doesn't always necessarily mean that you've come across badly it's just like how you say you've been too humble or you've undersold yourself or you've forgotten to mention something and we're all kind of human so of course that can kind of happen and I think as well like I'm I'm lucky to be in a position with some of my volunteering where I am actually again just for a volunteering role but I'm actually the person that you know picks new editors for a magazine or picks I'm on I have been on the other side as well and a lot of the time people can have you know send a really good and enthusiastic email and I can think wow that this person really wants the role and then you do a round of sort of interviews or informal kind of 15 minute calls with them and you kind of forget whatever was kind of put before I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really and truly and a lot of it is just because I'm just a very kind of in the moment person if I just kind of gel with someone in that 15 minute call I'll, I'll pick them over someone that's got buckets of experience because I'm conscious of the fact that I'm trying to give someone a chance 
to I don't know to add something to their CV or you know maybe not even as cynical as that to kind of explore a, a passion that they might have and I'll I'll really just go off of vibes kind of yeah which sounds like <laughs> awful to say but like when you think of it like that you you can kind of detach your yourself from it it's just like they did better on the day I think as well what you said about being too humble I like the way you put it um, <laughs> is really important again something that came up on the, the course we did a kind of CV kind of workshop and our course leader has looked at plenty of CVs in their time and they said um, when you have your kind of professional summary at the top a lot of the time people will kind of say I might not have this experience or I know I could be better at this and you know it's not the time to be humble it's not the time to undersell yourself say what you do have or explain why your transferable skills are applicable or just explain why you're passionate about the role yeah definitely I think I did like the SYP mentoring last year before volunteering and like this might be slightly unrelated, but it was some experience that I really found, have found helpful it was like on my CV, I'd put my qualifications. So like I'd put my job title qualifications, then underneath put achievements and like in your achievements, just put like two or three bullet points from your job of something that you're really proud of that you've done. Um, and obviously when you're really proud of it, when they get brought up in interview people can tell that you're proud of it and tell that you're passionate about it. So I found that really helpful in my CV to like really pinpoint the things that I've been doing that I've loved to do or like things that I've done that have made a difference in where I work. Um, And I just think it's made my CV stronger and it comes across a little bit more confident. Yeah, if there's ever a time to talk about yourself, it's in in the CV, it's in the the interview. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think as well, like I've heard plenty of times and I still think the advice is good to kind of pull out particular statistics that, you know, if Mm -hmm. you've, increased a social media platforms following by x amount then put that on there but I really like the idea of kind of framing it as an achievement rather than just kind of bullet pointing the statistics because yeah. you're framing it as as you say something that you're proud of you're really putting it in that positive light and I do think framing's a lot of it because there'll be plenty of people out there that aren't aren't landing publishing jobs and they've got everything that, a, that um, an employer would look for. And it's just going to be a matter of how it comes across on the page or how it comes across in person. So I do think that kind of, yeah, that kind of cheesy, but cheesy, but good and positive. And, yeah, it works. <laughs> like It often works. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And to finish on a kind of positive, and it, I guess it's kind of related actually, but to finish on a positive note, we'll do our last kind of in and last publishing in for 2024, which is reaching out to publishing professionals and asking questions. I was actually, I feel like this came, I've just been in uni today and I feel like it came up a lot of, there's a few people that are kind of, or, or lots of people, myself included, very kind of nervous to maybe like make a LinkedIn or to request to connect with people because I might not have many connections and they might think of me as kind of someone that's a sort of nobody or they they don't know who I am or why would they do this personally I can't think if I've ever rejected a connection on LinkedIn correct me <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong if someone's gonna <laughs> I'm scared someone's gonna send me an email or something now saying yes you did I <laughs> like sometimes sometimes I'll like you know not get the chance to accept them and uh, ignore them for a week or so but I do tend to kind of accept everyone because everyone wants to grow their network everyone wants to see what other people are doing I'm just a nosy person I look at everyone's mm-hmm. profile on LinkedIn I don't care if you get a notification that it's me looking <laughs> I'll look at anyone and everyone so that's kind of I guess LinkedIn specific but kind of connected to that LinkedIn's a really great platform to just 
send someone a message. If there's someone that's got an entry level position in like sales, for example, or if there's someone that's, you know, even higher up in sales and you want to ask them, oh, what did you, what's one thing that you would give me advice for in an interview or what's, what, what does your role look like on a day-to-day basis? A lot of the time they'll, they'll answer the question. Actually, like thinking about, I don't know if I've ever specifically like messaged somebody directly to ask a question, but like, I don't see why not. Like you were saying, I think the worst thing, the absolute worst thing that could happen would be they message back and say, oh, sorry, I don't feel comfortable answering your question. Or I don't want to answer your question. And then you're just like, all right, like, fair enough. They don't have time. They yeah. Like, oh, they'll just ignore you, which again, it's fine. Like, I think a lot of the time we just get so worried about getting embarrassed or like feeling a bit vulnerable when really you don't need to feel that way. Like, like you were saying, everybody has been in your shoes before. They're probably more than happy to answer your question. <laughs> you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but like there's that like publishing hopefuls Facebook group. I think quite a few of the Facebook groups that you can join for stuff like this, you can actually post like anonymously if you really want to. So if you had a question about like a specific job you've applied for and you're a bit worried that somebody from the company is in that group, you can ask it anonymously. So that's still a good way of asking a lot of people a question without feeling too vulnerable about it. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, like we had like a guest speaker mention stuff about kind of salary transparency. So that's maybe somewhere where asking something anonymously might work in your favor. I think Mm -hmm. it's really important in any field, especially at entry level, and especially if you're thinking of moving to London, to find out like, what should I be sort of pitching myself or valuing myself at? Like, what should I expect? Or what should I, you know, be looking for for an entry-level job in London in the publishing industry because a lot of the time if you've just got no idea or you've just that's your first kind of experience with applying for jobs you'll just take anything and you can put yourself in a situation where you're having to take on a second job or you're having to you know take out god knows it might be like loans or whatever and you're just putting yourself in a really sticky situation. Yeah I think pay is like one of the topics that's quite feels taboo to talk about people don't like to talk about pay but if you don't know what everybody else is making how can you know if you're being paid unfairly so I just think it's yeah like like you said it could have been a whole other out (laughs) the whole pay thing (laughs) but yeah yeah so that's the end of our list and hopefully we've ended on a on a bit of a kind of thoughtful or a more positive note but that might be the end of podcasts with me and Laura for maybe at least a little bit or for the year or whatever see you in the next episode maybe I just want to end by saying a huge thank you for listening to our podcast in 2023 SYP North has loads of exciting stuff coming up in 2024 so make sure to find our socials on x at SYP North or over on Instagram we are SYP.North but for now we'll see you in our next podcast episode